welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Here in the sanctuary, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 71. Psalm 71, we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 21, and then after that, we'll look over in our Bibles to Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. We are going through, as we just prayed about, 40 days of prayer. And we're looking at different topics in those 40 days. And today we're coming to one of what we would call making it personal. Prayer is something that obviously a church or a whole nation can be called to pray. But not only that, it's individual. Revival, spiritual renewal, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with individuals. Yesterday I watched football on TV and the Alabama Crimson Tide barely beat Florida yesterday afternoon just by only two points. And after the game, um, Nick, Nick Saban is someone I look up to. He might, his, um, his attitude and his uh, demeanor from what I've heard from folks might not be something we want to model, but uh, he, he's one of those guys you don't really walk up to and ask for an autograph. So he's kind of standoffish a little bit, but he knows what he's doing. He knows how to win football games. And if he ran for governor, he'd probably win. If he ran for president, he'd probably win anyway. But he gets, he has to, you know, the, if you're an SEC coach, you have to do an interview after the game. So he's standing there and, you know, he has to do his little TV interview. If you who watched this game saw this, they ask a question. They're always open ended questions. So, uh, How'd the game go? What, what do you have to say? And his comment was, ties in with today's message, he says, we've got a lot of good players. They just need to play a little better. That's word for word. They just need to play a little better. We've got these good players on the team. They just need to do better. That's, that's the only problem we have here. No, no problem going on. In many ways, that kind of sums up, in many ways, our Christian life as well. And that's how we feel a lot of times in our, our, our personal life. We're good folks. We love the Lord. We're saved. Christ reigns in our life. We just need to do better. And what we're going to see here in the scriptures in, that, in answering that question of doing better, in many ways, that's re returning to maybe a previous time in our spiritual life where we can think where we felt closer to God. And we're going to see that here in Psalm 71. I've said it before, if you can think of a time in your life that you were closer to the Lord than you are now, you are in need of revival. Because that means you have drifted spiritually. That means at some point in your past, you actually were closer to Jesus. You were closer to the Lord than you are right here in the middle of September 2021. And that means we need to be asking God to revive us Again, And the key word there is again. Look here in Psalm 71. Psalm 71 tells us, verse 17, God, you have taught me from my youth. You know, that's why youth ministry and children's ministry is so important. Children can get saved. Children can learn about the Lord. Jesus called children to himself. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, she was probably a teenager engaged with Joseph. 
God calls children and teenagers to himself. We should not ever discourage young people in following and, and, and trusting in the Lord. They can absolutely learn about Jesus. God said, hey, I've taught you even when you were young. And while I still proclaim your wondrous works, even when I'm old and gray, what a great testimony. From your childhood to all the way to maybe you have some gray white hairs. Let me ask. Let's, we're going to have a, you have to participate in this question. If you have, maybe you're older. Is there anyone here that has been in church their whole life? Before you raise your hand, now let's define that. Whole life means from the time you were born, you know, we have a nursery right through here. From nursery to, let's say, anyone here over 80. That means an entire life. You have been in church. Anyone here? Whole life. Look at that. That's probably about 10, 12 folks put their hand up. Now, you have to be at least 80 raise your hand. But that is what this scripture is saying. From the time I was born, a child, all the way to I'm, the Bible says, I'm old and gray. Lord, even while I'm old and gray, God, do not abandon me. You haven't given up on the Lord. He hasn't certainly given up on you. David here is painting a picture. This is what it's like. To, this is personal revival. From the nursery to old and gray, you serve the Lord. You are the Lord's. None other. God, do not abandon me while I proclaim your power to another generation. Always there's another generation coming behind us. What do we do? We need to let, make sure they know about the Lord, most importantly, more than anyone else. It's our responsibility. We can't trust any other, any other institution. It's up to individual believers to teach their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren about the Lord. Your strength to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches the heights of God. You have done great things. God, who is like you? What a great question. Lord, who compares to you? You are God. You cause me to experience many troubles and misfortunes. We are never promised an easy, safe, comfortable life. We're not. We go through difficult, dark periods. We experience death. You lose your spouse. You lose your family. Think about the past year and a half. Think about the many folks who died of COVID that have experienced loss. I went to Baptist Health. First time ever in my life, I've seen, I witnessed something on Thursday. I went to go visit somebody in our church at Baptist Health. They only allow one visitor. I was the one visitor. So I got through the gates. I walk in the hospital the Kentucky National Guard is all over the place. They're pushing folks in a wheelchair. They're checking people in. They're uh, literally, they're, they're running the place. They're wearing their boots, their fatigues. I thought, goodness, this is like a military hospital. It's just, uh, 
I'd never witnessed that before. That's a reminder of human loss. That there is suffering, there's pain going on, there's a shortage. Hospitals need workers. There's a lot of patients there. There's a lot of needs. The Bible's telling us we are not promised. We are not promised an easy life. What if that becomes a norm? When you go to the hospital, you see the military. I mean, we don't know. But look at what it says here in verse 20. But you will revive me again. That is the personal renewal. Personal revival we're talking about. When we call upon the Lord and say, God, you will bring me up again. Even from the depths of the earth, you will increase my honor and comfort me once again. If you're here this morning and you need revival, God is calling. He's speaking to you, saying, will you trust, will you believe in me? Revival is an individual decision. You know what? A week ago, eight days ago, we remembered September 11th. Over 3,000 Americans passed away on those terrorist attacks. Horrible, tragic loss. Lots of death. Ongoing consequences for that. But those 3,000 Americans that died, they didn't die as a group. They died individually. Each person died. When a church or Christians experience revival, it occurs individually. Now, some of those folks in the Twin Towers, not all of them died. A lot of them died, but some lived. Just depending on where they were at when the plane hit the building, or if they were going up in the building. There's all sorts of stories. You all know this. And that is what happens in during revival. God's Spirit blows among folks, among us. We're praying for renewal. And maybe 80% of people experience the indwelling, the filling of the Holy Spirit. But some of us, that 15, 20%, folks, we might miss it. We don't experience what other people experience. Sometimes a sermon speaks more to some people than others. Or a song that our wonderful choir sings maybe touches you differently than someone else. And if you are here, you do not feel the blessing, the touch from the Lord. You have to say, God, I want to be like the psalmist here. In verse 20, Lord, revive me again. Lord, I want to experience revival. Lord, I want your touch. I want to be that man, that woman, from nursery to all the ways. The Bible says I'm old and gray. I have faithfully served you, God. What a great testimony. What a life of faithfulness. Do you know, difficult days, and you think about the past year and a half, because a lot of times folks say, and you'll hear this on the news, politicians, they're awful at saying this. They're saying, you know, tough times, they bring us together. We're united in difficult days. But I've thought about that. Past year and a half, is our country more united than it was 
say, 18, 19, 20 months ago? I don't know. I don't think it is. I think we might be more divided than ever before. A pandemic, difficult days, they might, they're not going to unite you. Well, who unites us? Folks, the Lord unites us. The calling of the gospel, the banner of Jesus, the cross, is what brings us together. It brings us to the foot of the cross. It brings us to our Savior who died for us. And I think we have to say, national unity, it's not going to come from a tragedy. It's not going to come from anything our government or anything is the Washington decides. If you're going to see a national revival, renewal in this land, in our city, folks, it's going to come individually from you and I. Each believer turning to the Lord. Families saying for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Teenagers going to school. And this coming Wednesday is see you at the pole. You teenagers, you go to your flagpole before you pray for your school. Boldly saying, I'm going to be a, a witness at my local school. I'm going to stand for Jesus. When no one else is, I'm going to do it. That's what unites us. That's what, that's what it brings us this renewed sense. You know, revival, I have a quote here. Revival means the normal. Expected Christian life has slipped away. So that you have this normal expected Christian life. And when you use the word revival, that means you're going back to something that used to be. That means something has changed in your life. Personally, you're different. And God needs to bring you back to normal. Normal is the Holy Spirit indwelling and filling your life so you are faithfully living for Him. Personal revival involves repenting and replacing sinful habits. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Acts. This will be the last scripture we look at this morning here. Acts chapter 2. There's no better personal revival than in Acts chapter 2. This is when the Holy Spirit, this is called Pentecost. It's 50 days after the Passover. This is a Jewish holiday that the, there were three of them, they were required to come into Jerusalem. And this is when their first, first fruits of their harvest were coming. So Jerusalem was filling up with all sorts of folks from out of town. And Jesus, ten days earlier, had just ascended into heaven. And he told his disciples, he says, guys, I want you to wait here for the Holy Spirit. Now they did not understand what the Holy Spirit was at this point, the disciples. He's giving them instructions about the Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the most uh, educational times that Jesus took advantage of teaching his disciples was at the Last Supper. The Last Supper, if you read the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus is called his last discourse. He uses this time with his disciples to teach them. Now think about it. If you were about to pass away 
or go be with the Lord, or you're extremely sick, and you know you only have so much time left with your family, the ones you love the most, would you talk about sports? Would you sit around and talk about the weather? I hope not. How sad would it be? Your last few moments, you're sitting around talking about things that are not of eternal consequence. Jesus is about to die. He's about to be crucified. In his last meal with his disciples, disciples, what is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because he knows, he's saying, disciples, I want you to really understand what I'm about to tell you. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to move in your life. And when we pray, when we come and worship here this morning, the Holy Spirit is the ongoing presence of God here on earth. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is the third person of the Trinity. We least talk about the Holy Spirit. We least understand the Holy Spirit because we can, we can mentally grasp God, I think, because we picture God upon the throne, God the Father. We know Jesus. We certainly connect with Him because He died on the cross. He died for our sins. He was resurrected. But then we get to this Holy Spirit. Think, what do I do? What is this? A Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who is with us now. He is, our, the own, he is the presence in your life. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit, Bible says, John chapter 4, comes inside of your heart and makes a home. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're, you're set apart for Him. You're owned by the Lord. And what's happening here in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, the disciples are meeting together and this wind comes in and tongues of fire rest over their head and they start speaking in tongues, unknown languages. And all of a sudden, the people in Jerusalem from all over the area start hearing their own language and they're praising God. They're talking about Jesus. They're giving witness to who? The Lord. And then Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon. They thought they were drunk, the people there. And Peter had to correct him and say, it's 9 in the morning. We don't get drunk at 9 a.m. And then he goes on to proclaim the gospel. He pointed them to Jesus and says, you need to repent and believe. The scriptures talked about this man. And then it was time to respond. And this is where it comes for us. This is where that personal revival occurs. Because I think a lot of times... You come to church, you come to Sunday school, and let's talk about Sunday school. You say, how do I know I'm in need of a revival? On the back of our bulletin, it says, Sunday school attendance, uh, this is last Sunday, 147 people. Do you know how I know we're in need of a revival? Do you know if we could rewind about 20 months ago, that number wasn't 147 in Sunday school. It was about 247. That means 100 people used to go to Sunday school 20 months ago, and now they don't. What is Sunday school? Sunday school is studying God's Word. 
It's being faithful and diligent and connecting in a small group. It's the one another. Not only are you studying the God's Word, you're connecting with others who are similar to you, going through the Christian life, life journey. I can tell us we're in need of revival just by looking at these numbers, by Sunday school. That's 100 less people attend Sunday school. Sunday school starts for church here. It's at 915. If you used to go to Sunday school, and now you don't go to Sunday school, that means you need to be saying, God, revive me again. I'm in need of this. There was one point in my life where I was more faithful. And now, for whatever reason, I'm not. Look what happened here. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 37. We're going to read this scripture. It says, after they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. That's what, that's what God's Word does to you. It pierces your hearts. And they said to Peter, because Peter just preached this, preached this message, and the rest of all the apostles, brothers, what should we do? What do we do? Y'all are speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit has just moved. You've just proclaimed Jesus the Messiah. And look what Peter says. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is revival right there. That is the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you. That means you're no longer yourself. You are the Lord's. That's the eternal security. You do not lose your salvation. The doctrine of eternal security means once you are saved, you're always saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't disappear. He doesn't pull back and say, well, you did this. You're, you're, you're going to lose your salvation. You say, well, Pastor, what about those folks that got saved when they were 10 years old at Bible school and they haven't been to church in 30 years? I would say they're not really saved because someone who has the Holy Spirit in their life, they, and here's how they know, it says they're pierced. The Holy Spirit pierces you. Do you know what that means? That means you're convicted. That means God's stirring in your life. I want to tell you, if God's speaking to you, if He's piercing you, it's like you're getting stabbed, that's a good sign. You should rejoice. Because that means the Lord is, is, is either wanting you to get saved, or you need to get repent, or you need to rededicate, or you need revival. It's God speaking to you. That means your heart is sensitive to God. I want to tell you, if you're numb, if you haven't, if you haven't, you haven't been pierced by the Lord, you almost have to say, God, is, is my heart hardened? Have I become calloused? Do I no longer, am I no longer sensitive of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you all a true story thought about not telling this, but I think it's important because it ties in. Back in 2017, and I don't necessarily agree with this story, but I think it's important that you at least think about it. I, mean, I wouldn't say this personally. And it happened here at our church. I was standing somewhere in this church. It was four years ago. And there was a conversation going on between two people 
And I was sort of in the conversation, so I guess that would be three people there. And this one person made this comment. They said, do you know, if our church, if we aren't out there reaching young people, like the next generation, we're going to die. That's what they said. And then this other person, this is why I don't agree with it, like, I'm there, they're there, and they're there, said, oh, we're already dead. And I didn't, I didn't speak up. I just, I'm just listening to the conversation. I thought, well, okay. I don't really know what to take of that. We're already dead. Do you know, in many ways, all of us here, I thought about that. That was four years ago. I remember that conversation. We're already dead. In many ways, the moment we're born, we are dying. All of us are just eventually, we all know this, we're approaching the inevitable. Unless Jesus returns, it's going to happen to every one of us in this sanctuary. And that is a reminder that our lives, our only hope, we're dead. We're dead. My only hope is that the Holy Spirit gives me this gift that Peter talks about. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. Because listen, He is life. You want life, young person? Do you want to experience God? This Bible verse is telling us you need to receive this gift because you are a dead man walking around. And whether young person you realize it or not, I want to tell you this. We could fill this sanctuary up. This sanctuary seats 450 people. I could pack, I guess with young people, they're skinny. We could put 500 young people in this sanctuary. And do you know what? If they're all spiritually lost, they are dead. Dead. It doesn't even matter. You give me one saved person in this sanctuary, and that is a more alive church than 500 dead, spiritually dead, young people. So yes, we, there's death all around us. Without Christ, you are spiritually dead. Our gift is the Holy Spirit. And folks, if you want revival, whether you're a child or a senior citizen, age does not matter at Pentecost. It did not matter. That's why David in Psalm 71 says, whether you're old, you're, you're youth, or you're old and gray, you need to say, Lord, revive me again. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off. Those means people who are far from God. There's people who are far off. These are for our children. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for people coming to be born in the future. It's not just for us. As many as the Lord our God will call. That's the gospel call. God calls people to His Son. The Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. When we have revival here in two weeks with our evangelists, what's He going to do? He's going to point people to Jesus. With many other words, He testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. That's a message for us today. Just nothing, literally nothing has changed. Be saved from this corrupt generation. That was 2,000 years ago. We could take those words, exact same words, 
and go out and preach that message, and people will relate to that, because we are in a corrupt generation. Corruption is everywhere. Those who accept it, look at this, this is what happens in the Holy Spirit moves. Those who accepted his message were baptized. This is why baptism is so important. And on that day, look at this, 3,000 people were added to them. 3,000 folks were saved at Pentecost. Now listen, we have access to the same God, the same Holy Spirit, the same Jesus, who did this miracle at Pentecost. God is still on His throne. The Holy Spirit still lives in believers' life. You don't have to be young. You don't have to be old. You have access to God, the Holy Spirit. He wants to revive us again. He wants to revive me again. He wants to see renewal in this church. Folks getting saved. Folks turning to the Lord. Young people turning to the Lord. When we read this number, if we put here next week in the bulletin, salvations, 3,000, and you looked at this next week, and you saw 3,000, that must be a typo. I want to tell you why. Because I think a lot of times we read these Bible stories and we see a great move of the Lord when thousands of people getting saved. And we, we believe, oh, that was back then. It can't happen no, now. And that's, if, that, if that is your thinking, heaven forbid, if that's my thinking, or any of the leadership, or anybody Christian's thinking, we need to repent of that. And say, God, who puts limits on you? Who are we to tell you what you can and can't do? The power of the gospel can change anyone's life, no matter how far they are from God. The Bible says here, this promise, the promise is the Holy Spirit. Who's it for? It's people who are far off. They're lost. They're not saved. They're dead. They're spiritually in need of renewal. And God is speaking to us this morning. Two parts. Number one, we need to see our personal need for revival. We need to say, God, revive us again. And number two, we need to have a desire, a longing for people who are far from God to get saved. Peter stood up boldly. That's what we prayed about today in our 40 days of prayer. Boldly proclaimed the gospel and expected people to turn to Him. And folks, Broadway, we need to be the same. God is looking for a church, for people individually, to actually believe Him at His Word. This morning, are you saved? Is Jesus Christ your Savior? Have you trusted Him as your, as your Lord? Have you responded when Peter says, repent, believe, get baptized, and receive this gift. Maybe God brought you to this worship service. It's your first time in this sanctuary. You've never in your life been to church. Never been to Baptist church. You don't even know why you're here. God brought you here. And these words, not my words, it's God's word. The Bible says it pierces our hearts. If God has pierced you this morning, I want you to pray and to receive Him.
And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This is how you get saved. So I want you to bow your head, and I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer that Peter would have led these folks here to cry and call out at Pentecost to God, to Jesus, to save them. Let's bow our heads. I want you to follow along. God can read your heart. You pray to yourself if you want to. You can pray out loud. Dear Jesus, you've pierced my heart. I need revival. Lord, I'm lost. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of immorality. Jesus, from this day on, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bible says, and Peter said too, you prayed and received Jesus. You have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is spiritual revival. We call people publicly. Peter called people publicly to respond. We have a public invitation. Myself and Brother Hurd stand up front. So we're going to stand together. Let's stand up. And I'm going to invite Brother Hurd to come down forward. I'm going to be standing down front. If you prayed and accepted Christ as your Savior this morning, maybe it's your first time, or it is your first time, you come forward and take my hand. Let Brother Hurd and myself know. Bible also says there in Acts chapter 2 that they were baptized. We have baptism in two and a half weeks here at our church. And you need to follow in believers' baptism as well. You need to make this your church home. There's no better church here in Lexington for you to come and belong to. A Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. Centered on the scriptures. Folks come to church here, they're going to get saved. Children are going to learn about the Lord if they come to this church. You make this your church home. David's going to lead us in a song. We'll be standing out front for you to respond to the gospel.